the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch. And of course, we want to start in prayer. And uh, Jesus, I just pray for all the people out there that kind of feel on their own. They just feel detached from everyone and lonely and maybe like they don't matter. And I pray, first of all, God, that you just show them how special they are to you. Um, just be present with them. Help them to invite you into their everyday lives, into their uh, hearts and their homes, to fill their homes with presence. And God, we just ask you to help us be that person that encourages them. Help us to have encounters with people who need your loving touch. And so help us to encourage each other. We pray for Israel, God, that you protect it and that you honor your promise to her, and that, Lord, that you bring her through this time. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, hi, friends. It's Christmas season again. It's so exciting. And so first I want to suggest you listen to my Christmas time episodes from last year because I think they'll be a blessing as a deeper look at Jesus as the Messiah. So if you go in there, you can take a look uh, for episode 14, which is who is Jesus and what are his qualifications as a Savior. And episode 15, Jesus, the Savior's birth. And episode 16 is seven Old Testament prophecies that prove Jesus, or Yeshua, is the actual promised Messiah of Israel. Oh, it's so amazing, and he's so good. And I especially recommend that last one. Go in there and send them to a friend who might be Jewish. It's really astounding, and God can open the hearts. Uh, Jesus said, no one comes to me except the Father draw him. So if you've got a friend who believes in God, maybe um, send them this, even if they're secular. Send them these. Are, these are astonishing prophecies. And so um, you can find those Christmas time episodes on my Rumble channel on rumble.com. And so you can just search for Wendy's Words for Him Radio. So that's right there on Rumble. Or you can come to kprz.com and find the podcast on my Season Watch show page for those episodes that originally aired in December. So look for, just go to December. Or you can look for Season Watch uh, with Wendy Scott wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And I think you'll enjoy those previous episodes. They're jam-packed with exciting prophecies and amazing revelations about Jesus, our magnificent, wonderful Savior. And it's a great way to get fired up for Christmas and all that it means to us, right? And I just want to urge everyone to make the most of this special time of year 
to glorify God and tell everyone that you can about Jesus. I have this great hoodie I like to wear everywhere this time of year, and it says, Happy Birthday, Jesus. It's so cheerful. It has a cute little manger scene on it, and it makes people smile and remember what it's about. And sometimes I even get to talk to people about Jesus because it warms their hearts. You know, God's making people ready. They just need an opportunity, a contact point, a person who's willing to stop and talk to them. And I mean anything you can do will help, right? And so an easy way to share the gospel this month that I recommend is to go onto Ray Comfort's website. He's really got a great one there. And order some of his packs of million-dollar tracks. They look like million bucks. They really surprise people. And they have them in English and Spanish, and they even have a Christmas version, and it's kind of cool. Are you on the naughty or nice list? It's really good. And so go to livingwaters.com. That's livingwaters.com. And click on the store and then search for millions and order some. Keep them with you wherever you go over Christmas. And even into the new year, there's a good discount if you get six packs or more, and then you could order a bunch and give them to your friends that are also believers and just start handing them out. And people love these. I just give them out wherever I go, shopping, coffee, restaurants, uh, from janitors to CEOs. I just hand them to anyone. Someone's opening the door. Thanks a lot. Here's a million bucks. And I just have fun with it. And they do too. And uh, you don't have to be eloquent or an evangelist. Um, And the more you do it, the easier it gets and the more comfortable you feel with it. God will anoint it and bless you. You'll just feel joyous. And I say things like, hey, thanks for your help. Here's a million bucks. Or just letting you know that God loves you and he's got a good plan for your life. And I just say, Merry Christmas, right? So just keep it cheerful. And and people do love it. They laugh. They say, oh, wow, it looks real. And they flip them over and they read them. God is using them. It's simple. And you can do it. You can do it. So please do it this year. Time's running out. Go to livingwaters.com. Super simple. All right, and so give God something to work with, and he'll use it. Remember, Jesus used a few fish and a few loaves to feed thousands, right? Because God always uses a human partner, right? And that way we get the joy of taking part of his highest call to help save souls. He does all the rest. We just have to be faithful if we're willing. Just carry his love in your pocket and hand it out. You know, most people today don't know the simple gospel, and it's really sad. Even people who tell me they're Christians are unclear about how to be saved, so they certainly can't explain it to someone, right? Imagine how lost this generation is if even Christians can't explain it. And so they're raised in this anti-God culture. Believe me, they have no idea what the gospel is. And uh, so they can't explain that faith alone is in Jesus. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation that He took upon Himself, the punishment that we earned for our sin, and He suffered and died in our place. And that by faith alone that He died and then rose again to eternal life. By faith in this alone, we're saved. Just by faith, not by works of righteousness which we have done. And salvation in this alone, right? And so by telling God that we need, we want Jesus to pay for our sins, that we accept his payment, that's that's how we're saved, that we are sorry for our sins, right? And so if you haven't done that, do that. Jesus, I do believe in you. I'm so sorry for my sin. I know I can't go to heaven unless I accept your payment. Thank you so much. And so we give him our life. That's how you're saved. We follow him. We give our life to him. And we come to know him. We have to know him. And through this process of accepting his payment and committing ourselves to follow him, we receive the Holy Spirit and the spirit of eternal life. And we begin to grow and to change because we love him. And we learn about him from the Bible and we follow him. 
It's that process of changing and growing that we show the world the fruit of what God has placed in us through his Holy Spirit. So the evidence of our faith is that we change from glory to glory even more into his image until the day he takes us up with him or we're with him. And he gives us a genuine love for others as we walk with him every day. He provokes us to set aside our own desires and sacrifice our time, money, and energy to bring others to him and to share his tremendous love. As we see in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has foreordained that we should walk in them. And isn't that beautiful? And it's uh, he's set aside a work for each one of us, unique to us, fitting our personality. We can trust him, but we have to follow him. We have to pursue him. And uh, so if you truly love God and are a follower of Jesus, you must be ready to share the truth with others. And there's no better time when the world is the most open to it during Christmas, uh, and they want to hear the amazing account of what God has done. They're ready. God makes them ready by his Holy Spirit. He's made this a unique time of year, opening the hearts and making them tender. People get nostalgic, and they're ready to hear about these things. And so we have to be ready also to act on them, to offer them something, to give them something. And so many Christians argue that Christmas is a stepchild of pagan traditions, blah, blah, blah. And that might be true, of course. I'm sure, I know that's true. We know Jesus was not born at Christmas time in December, but that doesn't matter. Those of us who love Jesus don't celebrate paganism. And that's not what that those of us who love him are for. For us, it's an anointed season completely intertwined with the birth of our Savior. We know he was born. And in America, the story cannot be extricated from our songs, our tradition, as the whole reason for the season, as they say. God has taken something Satan meant to, to scuttle Christianity. He meant for evil. And he turned, Jesus, God, turned that to this greatest billboard of his love all over the world at the same time. So we need to stop squabbling about these petty things and all join in one purpose to seek and save that which is lost. God left heaven and humbled himself to be born as a human in this fallen world to give himself as a ransom. He gave himself. What kind of God would do that? No other God that we've ever made up has done such a thing, right? It is the most magnificent, magnanimous, majestic, sacrificial act in human history, and it's God who did it. God himself paid the debt for humanity. And because of Christmas, the whole month out of every year, we have an open invitation to tell the story of his unsurpassed love. And so we celebrate a God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, just believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. And so those of us who are from Gen X and older remember when John 3.16 was everywhere, people would hold up signs at sports games or concerts or big venues and we could always count on it being in the public eye. But at some point, this cur- uh, curious people would finally investigate, what is this John 3.16? And so it became an opportunity for people to hear about him. But have you noticed people aren't doing that anymore? It's been a long time since I've seen it. And not only that, but people I talk to have actually never seen it, right? The younger people, it's disheartening, isn't it? It's not the America we grew up in. Everything has changed. And People today don't know those truths about God and the Bible that we grew up talking about or taking for granted. And why is that? Because Satan has a long-term plan to overthrow Christianity in America, just like he did in Europe. And so the prince of this world uh, has created a culture that mocks, silences, attacks, 
targets, and shames Christians, Christianity, and Christ. And so now true faith in Jesus is on life support in America. And we see it diminishing every day. Didn't Jesus say when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? It's a prophecy, and we're seeing it. And there's nowhere else for true faith in Christianity to freely go. Um, Thank God that there are developing nations and some difficult uh, press nations that are hearing the word of Jesus. But it can't flourish. It doesn't take over. It has to be uh, under pressure. And so now the only remnant, only the remnant of the faithful followers who love God's word are devoted to Jesus, are willing to live out God's first and last decree, be fruitful and multiply. And instead, the church, so-called, makes friends with the world and compromises on the word of truth, substitutes social justice for the gospel, acknowledges that many roads can lead to God, and goes with the flow of culture. And they deny biblical prophecies about judgment and actually join with God's enemies to attack those of us who hold on to the truth. And it's getting worse and worse. But that was Satan's plan, and the Bible prophesied it all. And these are the last days. And so, friends, fasten your truth belts as we examine Israel in the land means the soon departure of the church. And so since Season Watch is a theme of our show, and we always are watching the times and the events in light of prophecies about the last days, um, we see that this demonic attack on Israel that we've been talking about is revealing even more how God uses the labor pains of the last days to sift the nations and the church and to reveal the hearts of every person. And so we see this widespread vile hatred for Israel emerge, revealing that it has been festering just under the surface all along. And it reminds us of when God sent the angels into Sodom. You remember in Genesis 18, starting in verse 20, and the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I'll know. And so when the angels came into the city, Lot sat at the gate and greeted them and urged them not to stay all night in the street because of the wickedness. And we know that wickedness loves the dark, doesn't it? But we see in Genesis 19, after the angels came into the house in the middle of the night, all the men of the city from young to the old surrounded the house and demanded that the men be sent out so they might rape them. And so it's a very curious and sudden thing. Why? All of a sudden did they all reveal themselves at once. And we see there that there was something holy and special about these men who were really angels, and it did something to the men of Sodom to reveal who they really were. And just as God said, I will know, we see that these seemingly ordinary men of the city were driven to defile these angels with the demonic hatred to destroy them. The angels were hated because of their spiritual nature and the significance, the purity of them and the significance of their spiritual meaning couldn't be hidden. And so all the men of the city swarmed Lot's house, something that they clearly had never done before, or he would not have stayed around. And when he refused to send the angels out, the men, uh, to the men, he begged them, Lot begged them, I pray you, in verse 7, I pray, my brethren, do not so wickedly. It really surprised him. In uh, verse 9, and they said, stand back. This one came to stay here, and he keeps acting like a judge. Now we will deal worsely with you than with them. Right, So we see that the mere presence of these holy men caused Sodom to reveal their wickedness just as the cry came up to God, and they did things in the dark and in the company of those like them. 
and even cruelties against the innocent in secret. But in the day, they passed themselves off as good people. This was right under the surface, in secret, in the dark. And Lot was a judge of the city. We know he actually was a judge of the city, sitting at the gate. That's what people did. And so people had come to him and trusted him to settle their disputes. But now, all of the men of the city converging on their demonic rage, they suddenly realize that they no longer need to listen to his righteous nature, his righteous judgment. And they need to they don't need to hide their sin, but openly defy God with their wickedness. And they say, Who are you to be a judge? And they realize there are more of us than you. We don't have to listen to you anymore. And that's the tipping point. And that's what we're seeing now. The tipping point, they realize that there's more of them, more of the nations, more of those that hate God than those who cling uh, to him in truth. And so that was the tipping point. And Lot was no longer, uh, Lot, (laughs) uh, Sodom was no longer a salvageable place. Um, And just as God said to Abraham, I will preserve the city for the sake of 10 righteous that live in it, we see that God used this very presence of the angels to reveal the true hearts of the people in the city. So there were not 10 righteous were there. He couldn't preserve the city. There were not enough left. And through this revelation that uh, an overwhelming majority practiced or ignored wickedness, most of them were either doing it or ignoring it. And uh, God had revealed that tipping point had been reached and that the city could no longer be impacted by the only righteous man lot. And that's like us. It's just fewer and fewer of those who stand for truth and love and stand on God's side unwaveringly. And there's less and less and less. We're reaching the tipping point that we no longer have an impact on the wickedness. But we can still grab more before we go, right? Everybody needs to have a chance to hear. And so the ju- God judged the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he destroyed the wicked. And that's where we're going now. And so we see that God, just as God used the angels to reveal wickedness and those who tolerated this wickedness, God's now using Israel to sift the nations and reveal who is really following God and who really loves the world. And to reveal those nations who hate God and those things that he's ordained. Just as Psalm 2 reveals, the whole psalm prophesies about this time. And it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Messiah, saying, Let us break their bands in pieces and cast their cords from us. But he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish along the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they who put their trust in him. And that's the warning, and that's the tipping point. That's where we are right now. We're seeing the nations rage against God and his anointed one. They're raging against Israel because Satan is against Israel. Satan wants to take Israel out because God has made such a tremendous promise to them. Satan knows that Israel will turn to God in in the tribulation. And of course, many, many, many are gonna are coming to faith right now because we're continuing to be faithful 
to preach to them, to share with them, to love them, just as we do with others, right? That's what we're called to do. And so Jesus compared the rapture and the tribulation to Lot. So we see another parallel now. We see this in 17, um, starting in verse 26. And Jesus said, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given a marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. See, everything was normal. It looked normal. It looked normal until the tipping point, until the moment the sifting was revealing what was really going on. And so we see verse 29, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all, right? Just like we'll be raptured, then the judgment will begin. Verse 34, I tell you, this shall be in the day when Sodom, this is how it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. I tell you that in that night, there shall be two men in one bed. One shall be taken or received, the other shall be left behind. Two women shall be grinding together. One shall be received, the other shall be left. Two men shall be in a field. One shall be received, the other shall be left. And so we see a picture of the rapture just at the verge, right at the tipping point, when we see underneath the surface all this wickedness is starting to bust out. And that's where we are. And as we've looked before, he describes, Jesus describes the signs of the approaching rapture later in Luke 21. And we see starting in verse 10, Then he said to them, Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And the great earthquake shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilence and fearful sights and great signs there shall be from heaven. And when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation of is near. So that was back in 70 A.D. For these are the days of vengeance that all these things may be written. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down underfoot until the time under the down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That's the church age. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. For as a snare shall come upon all those that dwell on the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So we can escape all these things, and the times of Gentiles are coming to an end, and we're seeing all the signs mounting up, both Old Testament and New Testament. They're all coming together, and they're converging, and they're revealing this truth. There's no time to wait. We're on the very doors, at the very doors. So the church will be raptured of believers from every nation and tongue around the world, including Messianic Jews. And then after millions are raptured, the false church and the government of the Antichrist will arise to fill the vacuum and take dominion over the earth. And as we have said, um, he is accepted because as Daniel 9.27 reveals, the Antichrist will make a seven-year covenant with Israel. And this will allow the temple to be rebuilt and in the but in the middle of the seven year covenant, he, the Antichrist will enter into the new temple, and he will declare himself God. And so we piece this together. We see it in Daniel nine twenty seven. It says, "Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, which is a seven year period. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring to an end to the sacrifice and offering, and he shall set up abominations that make desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out." 
on the desolator, right? And we see in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. So we're seeing the falling away, people leaving the church and following doctrines of demons. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, which is the son of destruction, who oppose and exalts himself above all that is called God or is that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do it until he's taken out of the way. And so we saw Jesus warned in Matthew 24, again, that nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of labor pains. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. For when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever reads, let him understand, then those who are in Judea... Flee to the mountains, for there will be great tribulation has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever be. And so we see the great tribulation is coming. It's promised, but the true church won't go through it, as we see in Revelation 3. Revelation 3, 8, I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door. That's to reach others. And no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, and you've kept my word and have not denied my name. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come to try the whole world, all those who dwell on the earth. And so all the, all the prophecies testify to this coming tribulation. And time is short. We must make the most of it right now. Plant those seeds. Win people to Jesus. That's where our legacy will be. And to fulfill his love to others and to especially Israel in these last days. And so we want to stand for the truth. We want to get out there and share with others. The time is short and uh, we don't know how much we have left. So until next time, Merry Christmas is coming and God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.